Yes, every week when we discuss the fascinating world of science and its impact on society. And be sure to get a copy of my latest book, Physics of the Impossible. You are listening to KBOO Portland, 90.7 FM. The time is 10.59 a.m. Next up is the dirt bag. like I don't even know what to do here, here live in the studio with a guest and Jim on the phone. (laughs) It's crazy. Well, good morning. This is Glenn Andreessen. This is the Dirtbag. Welcome. We'll be here till 12 o'clock. With me in the studio is Tanya Lordy from Herc. Hoek. Hoek. Excuse me. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm already off to a great start here. Hoek. That's right. And on the phone is Jim Gilbert. Jim, you're Good morning, here. Hi, <laughs> Tonya. Hi, hi, Jim. The uh, Jim is on the on the phone. He is in the liberal nook, and he's not here because he's back from Australia. Although that's not why he's not here. Jim, do you want to share why you're not here? <laughs> <laughs> well, in my original thoughts, I wouldn't be there because I'd be jet lagged. But also, three days before we were scheduled to leave Australia. Uh, uh, after our third overseas trip, we came down with COVID, which was, I suppose, inevitable. But, uh, you know, we were trying to do everything we could to avoid that, but it happened. So we got isolated in a motel room for about three days and, uh, and made it home. But we're still isolating here at the nursery. And hopefully I feel fine. And I think, uh, you know, COVID for me was just basically like a head cold. And uh, thank God for vaccinations and boosters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're we're glad you're feeling well and are, can join us here on our first first. How long has it been, Jim, since we've been in the studio with live uh, listeners? It hasn't been the full you know, three years. It seems like we were in once. We we came in once. That's right. Uh, there was one time when we tried to come in. Yeah, that's true too. I remember that one. <laughs> and, uh, but I think yeah, we were in once before, and of course, Joe Wilson, our our, our our valiant and loyal yes. uh, sound engineer uh, was with us for has been with us for years. It's like the first this like first time in a long time that we haven't had Joe. Yeah, his uh, he, he his wife was transferred or or whatever moved to Boise for for her work, and so he's there now. So yeah. anyway, he said if we needed to do some remote work uh, to hit him up. And so yeah, we'll yeah. probably do that because we know how to do that uh, we, yeah, from a distance now. That. It doesn't matter where he is, <laughs> as long as he has the time. Yeah. Well, so welcome home, and uh, glad you both can can uh, be on the dirt bag here today. A full show, but we would be remiss if we didn't welcome your calls, our listener calls here. Uh, five. <laughs> I have to get the number up here. Five. Zero three two three one eight one eight seven. If you have a gardening question that you'd like to run by all three of us, quite a bit of knowledge from these uh, from these people here in the room and on the phone. Yeah, what's that? Sure. Say? You know, between me and Bill Gates, you know, we own a, we have, you know, we're worth about five billion dollars or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Glenn, it'd be also great if anybody just wants to call and say hi and say, you know, because we're this, this, this sort of unique being live uh, program allows people to call in. So yeah, I'd love to hear from somebody. Yeah, because it's winter time out there. That's right. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> when I got on my bike today to come in here, it wasn't even forty degrees, and 
Well, like it was 37, 37 out here in the liberal nook this morning. And nice. they're talking about possible frost tonight. Yeah, so, yeah. So. I saw that frost warning there. Yeah. So, well, frost wouldn't be out of the, you know, realm of possibilities into early April, but goodness, yeah. snow. Well, it was just a year ago, you know, we had our, the, the latest snowfall ever, and it was substantial in the Portland area anyway, three to four inches. Yeah, I think we I think we missed it out here. I think you got that nice east wind blowing cold air in from the Columbia Gorge, and uh, yeah, we didn't get it. Lucky us! Did you suffer <laughs> anything on that uh, snowstorm last year at the garden? late last year? I think we uh, our pineapple guava blooms took a hit. Uh-huh, so we didn't uh-huh. get nearly as much set as we had anticipated. Um, but that was, oh, and our kiwi, our kiwi, uh-huh. uh, the hardy kiwi, definitely um, uh, the Annas didn't uh, didn't get pollinated properly. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Asai was fine. Asai did just fine. And the uh, hayward males did okay. Hayward females, they were, we got about half the crop we typically got. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they are. They can produce a lot there. Yes, so. yes. So anyway, that's the number, 503-231-8187. We will start with a uh, some uh, one announcement. Uh, somebody emailed with their event that I'll talk about here, and then we'll get to Tanya and the the uh, HOAC. No, not HOAC. No, you got it. Oh, HOAC. Okay. You got it right. That's right. <laughs> uh, we'll find all about what those letters mean there, too. And let's see, half past the hour, we have our garden stumper, and I'll have the answer from two months ago. Can you believe it? And a new one. Uh, and then Jim will talk, uh, focusing on pineapple guava, because that was the, the focus of your, your latest trip. From uh, Is that right, Jim? That's, yes, that's correct. Right. Okay. And uh, if we have time, I'll talk more about raised beds and... <laughs> Whew, what we can be planting now. And then our dirtbag dictionary term is cross-pollination. I looked on that and I said, you know, we've never even talked about that before. And uh, <laughs> that that uh, fills in or chimes in nicely with our plant of the month, which is cucumbers. And then, uh, oh, what's annoying me? I'll just get this off my chest right now. <laughs> and <clears throat> I listen to a lot of radio, mostly NPR and I it grates me, or it, I don't know. It just annoys me, I guess. When the host normally would say something like, when they're wrapping up the uh, interview, and the host will say, you know, well, just you know, last question before I let you go. Uh, what do you mean before you let them go? To me, that sounds like a power play. I know it isn't, <laughs> but it sounds like it to me that that the host is is keeping this person here you know, against their will or something like that. But any in any event, that's just what's been on my mind lately. So let's change subjects here. Well, by the way, I'd like to thank Ty, our uh, board operator, who's graciously come in this morning to help us out. Appreciate it, Ty. We have uh, one announcement here from the nonprofit Dairy Creek Community Food Web. They are having a sale. Uh, food, herb, berry, it's not herb, it's herb, berry and flower plant sale coming up on April 22nd from 11 to 3 and Sunday, April 23rd from 1 to 3. And this is in Forest Grove. I'll give you the address here because there's no building that I see here. 1523 Pacific Avenue. But for more information, you can call or text 503-313-6104. Again, 503-313-6104. And they grow... uh, Well, anyway, the plant sale, uh, food, herbs, berries, and flowers. Non... Uh, a fundraiser for the nonprofit Dairy Creek Community Food Web in Forest Grove. So, thank you, Victoria, for sending that in. Okie dokie. 
Well, let's let's take Tanya first here, and because this is a a great organization now that I'm, I'm just curious how it morphed yeah. from one thing from one organization to another and then you can tell us about what what you do there and yeah. this came about after or the oh, just give us some background this the demonstration garden has been there for how long so the orchard itself has been there since 1986 and it was planted um, by the home orchard education or by the home orchard society uh huh. Right. And so when they closed down at the end of 2020, uh, there was a group of Arboretum volunteers that were very concerned and didn't want to see the orchard uh, overtaken by Blackberry. The, uh, we are located on the Clackamas Community College campus in Oregon City, and the horticulture department there didn't have the funding or the the manpower to take it over and the college didn't want to take it over so a group of volunteers got together and i said if you guys really want to do this we can start a new nonprofit, but we're going to need a board of directors and so we gathered a bunch of volunteers none of them had nonprofit experience at the time and we started a new organization called the home orchard education center uh also known as hoec that's what I was struggling with. That's what you were struggling with. It's <laughs> yeah. a little, it's a, it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. And you had been curator, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, well, yeah, well, so f- I, at the garden before this. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the holdovers from Home Orchard Society. So I started working with the Home Orchard Society as an intern back in 2010. Um, and that was when Monica Maggio of Core Home Fruit was the manager, right after Karen Tallou left. Karen Tallou was the longtime manager. She was there for eight years, and Monica came in for two years. And then in 2011, they hired me as a gardener to work every Saturday. They and, being the Home Orchard Society? Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, uh, Monica decided she wanted to leave in 2012, and so I kind of stepped into the manager role at that time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And is the how is it different? How is your role different mm-hmm. now than then? Uh, now my role, I was basically the Arboretum manager. Now I'm more of a, they call me, or I am the executive director. Um, it's a little bit more of a formal position. We actually, I actually have some additional employees now, which is really mm. nice. HOS only had one, and I was a contractor with Home Orchard Society. So now we're all employees. And so we actually pay somebody to do our marketing and our website. We don't have enough funding at this point to do too much of that. I mean, she's only there for 10 hours a week. And then I have an Arboretum assistant who comes in and mans the Arboretum and helps out with volunteer organization while I'm teaching workshops on Saturday because we're teaching quite a few workshops, more so than HOS ever did. Uh-huh. So um, where HOS was teaching about three to five workshops a year, we're teaching about 46. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's That's... a lot. So basically the only difference between the two organizations, our our missions are relatively similar. Um, So HOS's mission was to share the love of uh, and science of growing fruit in backyard, um, in in people's backyards, being successful backyard fruit growers. They also had another mission of preserving heirloom varieties. So we Mm. have kind of moved a little bit away from preserving the heirloom varieties, although I'm still growing 150 different varieties of apple. (laughs) Wow. Right? So we still have all the varieties that are there, but now we're trying to promote uh, uh, the healthier varieties, the ones that are going to grow a little bit better in our region uh, and have less pest and disease issues. Because as you know, none of us really want to spray. Right. We want to we grow organically. And a lot of those heirloom varieties, it's, it's a lot more difficult to grow them organically. Um, and so... Our mission with the new organization is a little bit more uh, focused on community building around um, backyard fruit growing, as well as uh, some food security stuff. So this year we got a grant and we're able to give away a a huge portion of the fruit that we grow on the the site. We're 1.6 acres and we're typically harvesting between 9 and 11,000 pounds of fruit (laughs) a year on 1.6 acres and we're not densely planted. Yeah. Um, 
So currently, we're one of our fundraisers, or one of the ways that we make income is through selling a CSA, so Community uh-huh. Supported Agriculture Program. Um, but it's it's really stressful. You got to do a lot of spraying, right? And we don't like to do spraying. And we are organic. We're not certified organic, but we definitely um, um, utilize organic growing methods, and we're a low spray uh, uh, input um, organic yeah. orchard. So uh, we got a grant last year that we're able to give away a lot of the fruit this year. Um, A quarter of it is going to the Pioneer Community Center, which is the senior center in Mm -hmm. Oregon City. And another portion of that is going to uh, Clackamas Women's Services. And they have a home for um, victims of domestic violence. And so we'll be supplying their kitchens with uh, organically grown fruit for for the summer. Goodness. Yeah. What would a typical... CSA share. What uh, does it come with? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know it depends on what time yeah. of the year. Yeah, it's, so it's all fruit. I'm. I'm it's all saying. fruit, uh-huh. all fruit, and so it's 15 weeks long. The family share is about eight to ten pounds of fruit uh, a week, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a family of fruit eaters, that's that's about three pieces of fruit a day for four. Right. And it's mostly apples and pears. Um, And then there's a small spattering of maybe some blueberries early in the season because most of our apples and pears don't come in until August. And by that time, our blueberries are kind of wrapping up. Right. But blueberries store pretty well. So we're able to hold over some blueberries. Uh, They usually get a little bit of um, uh, uh, kiwi in there, maybe some medlar, which is always a fun one for people. Everybody gets a little bit of pawpaw. They get a sampling of all the unusual fruits that we grow. So some elderberries, aronia berries, and mm. of course we give them recipes. And what do you do with aronia berries, really? <laughs> you know, you don't really uh, put handfuls of them in your mouth. Got to process them in some way. Are there still shares available? There are. We have okay. individual shares, which is about three to five pounds a week, and then the family shares or household shares is eight to ten pounds a week. And <clears throat> one would have to go to the correct. M- yeah, we did a um, Portland drop site last year, but uh, because we're only selling half of the shares this year yeah, that we yeah. did last year, um, and we really want to connect people to place, right? So uh-huh. uh, we decided to make it, we decided to make people come out to the orchard. It's a beautiful space, mm-hmm. um, and all of our volunteers work very hard to make it uh, friendly. We're open to the public Tuesdays and Saturdays, so even if you don't have a CSA share and you just want to come and have a picnic, that's what we're there for. Huh. Just for spend you, some time. You, what, what's the nature of these multitude of increased classes that you're that you mm. offer so it's all it's all in relation to growing fruit so propagation pest and disease uh we're getting into we just started doing a little bit of soil building with mushrooms so mm. uh those that's been a pretty popular class uh the mushroom classes um but pruning and we kind of break it down to where it's not a. and, and all of our classes most of our classes are hands-on i will say so we have a pruning persimmon class, a blueberry pruning class, apple and pear pruning class, because all of these different species, especially the tree species, um, they're all pruned slightly differently. So mm-hmm. it's nice to sort of give people a, a more in-depth uh, appreciation of the different types of pruning um, that are needed for the different species. All right. Well, let's... I'm talking with Tanya Lordy, who's the executive director... <laughs> Fancy. The, <laughs> the uh, Home Orchard Education Center, and located on the Clackamas Community College campus. Yep. 1.6 acres. So we'll come back with her. And if you have any questions on the HOAC or anything that you'd la- like to ask Tanya or Jim, who's presumably still still there. Still here, Glenn. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That, uh, this is a good time to catch up on some of that jet lag. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll take we'll take a musical break here, and and the theme of of this is that I'm I'm getting pretty prickly uh, about the weather, and it's just not conducive for beekeeping or gardening, uh, both of which I uh, do in volume. And so the theme of our tunes this time is being tired of this stuff. So the uh, first one is from Professor Longhair, 
uh, it's called Sick and Tired. Ty, are you ready to roll this? Okay. Professor Long here. Professor Long here. He's sick and tired about something else, but <laughs> I don't know, man. That's just uh, maybe it happens every April, but you know, for somebody who uh, manages his beehives for honey production, I just wonder what what's down what down the line. I think you know, are we shifting the bloom period of plants? I'll talk to both Jim and Tanya about this, or is it just compressing it? In which case, the bees don't get as much opportunity and the plants don't get as much opportunity to get pollinated. What do you think, both of you? Well, my my experience, I actually I talked to my friend Mike McCarthy up in Hood River the other day, uh, and, and he said that they figure they're about two weeks behind. There's no bloom yet. I mean, it's just the buds are just swelling, and uh, and there's not a lot of action here. And so it's, yeah. it's a really you know, interesting to see uh, it reminded, it made me think of my of a trip I took one time to the eastern part of Russia uh, in early May, and, uh, and and early May here, you know, we're 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 past bloom and, and leafing out and everything else, and there everything was still dormant. It was still I was like amazed. So uh, you know, then then it gets really warm there really fast. Yeah. Usually here that's not the case, but this could change, I suppose. Well, that's that's my fear. As far as um, switching back to honey production from the bees, in that if it does warm up as usual, then that's kind of, you know, does the plant end then? You know, so it's a compressed bloom season, or, you know, is it going to be two weeks late, you know, so we're still in July and, and things are still blooming profusely? That's why we, you know, we can't say. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you grow blueberries there. We do uh, grow blueberries. And what's yeah. the what's their status there now? Well, I mean, I mean the the, the flower buds are fat, but they haven't opened yet. Yeah. I mean, uh, our plums full bloom, petal fall, right? They're pretty much past. Yeah. Uh, and our uh, Asian pears are pretty swollen right now at this point. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. our apples are tight. The buds are just not moving anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I rent ten of my hives to a blueberry farmer, and I've kept. This will be, it's over 20 years now that I've done this. And they they want the bloom, the bees at about this, a consistent period every year, which is about 5% bloom. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want 20% because then you've lost some pollination. And you don't want zero because for when I bring the bees out, oh, yeah. because then the bees will find something else and it won't go into the field for the blueberries. And so when I bring the bees, it's pretty consistent. 
and it's been as early as the first week of April and as late as the second week of May. Wow. So I suspect this is going to be May. Yeah. Before late year. And they're they're out boring, so it's you know, even later still than yeah. here. Jim, do you have blueberries there? My neighbor across the street does. Oh, that's uh, right. Have you uh, looked you know, at those? We don't uh, haven't seen any action at all. Yeah, over there. So yeah. it's yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's enough talk of that weather. It's just depressing me. <laughs> uh, Tanya mentioned that uh, to me that that you're going to have you're going to be part of the Master Gardener plant sale. Yeah, typically we've had it on site at the at the orchard in Oregon City, but last year we tabled as an educational booth at the Master Gardener plant sale down at the um, Clackamas County Fairgrounds in Canby, and there was nobody selling fruiting plants. Ah. And so we figured this would be a good year for us to sort of step in and fill that fill that hole there, if you will. And so we're going to be taking all of our plants over to Canby this year, and so on May uh, 6th and 7th we'll be... Uh, Hopefully enjoying some sunshine and no muddy paths at the Canby Fairgrounds. <laughs> so it's outside. <laughs> it is outdoors, yeah. They have all their educational stuff. The beekeepers, Master County, or the Clackamas County beekeepers are usually there. A whole bunch of uh, probably the water soil conservation districts are there uh-huh. sharing all of their environmental education type stuff. That's usually indoors. And then all of the plant vendors are outside. So what will you have there? Uh, I mean, rough, you know, roughly, yeah. yeah. We, uh, well, we're not taking nearly as many grafted trees because our grafted trees are pretty small. We're taking our one-year-olds from last year. We're not taking the newly grafted whips. Uh, I don't think that this this group of people is familiar with whips, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. You know, collectors are, but um, most of the people that are attending this fair are not really um, familiar with those. But they were going to eat up all of their blueberries. So we're taking a lot of blueberries, cane berries, raspberries. Um, uh, we went out to Northwoods Nursery Gym and picked up some uh, uh, some pineapple guava. We'll have a bunch of seedlings out there and uh, uh, elderberries, raspberries, strawberries. Yeah, some of the small fruits. Okay. More so in the small fruit. Yeah. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. Years ago, when when we were doing One Green World, we would do that show, and you know it was a lot of fun. A lot of people mm-hmm. would come there, and the reception was great. So I'm sure you'll have a you'll have a nice time, and yeah. uh, and of course the weather will be good too. Of course, always. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. <laughs> well, so we've got the, we've got you covered. Uh, the the nonprofit Dairy Creek Community Food Web in uh, Forest Grove because they're selling food plants there too and now mm-hmm. it can be yeah. on the other quadrant of the metro area I guess we need something in Portland right. oh there's plenty <laughs> of things going on in Portland here okay well that's I think that's a great uh, oh if, if people want to sign up for any of these things that we talked about from classes yeah. to CSA share to so classes CSA shares uh, if you want to sign up to volunteer we've got a couple of different really awesome volunteer programs where uh, you can get an add-on to our volunteer program uh, where you can get a portion of the fruit so not all of our volunteers uh-huh. get to take home fruit but those who uh, commit a little bit more to us get to take home a share of the harvest not a full CSA share it's actually more than what the CSA shares get um, so you can go to our website. It's www.homeorchardeducationcenter.org, O-R-G. Yeah, or if, or if you can remember, unlike me, HOAC. Yeah. <laughs> That'll help you uh, remember you just, what all those words are. Yeah, just put a Google search in for Home Orchard in Portland, and, and we're usually the first people to pop up there. Uh, yeah, right. And it's very easy to get to uh, oh, yeah. in uh on the campus. Yeah. Just and yeah, and we're open to the public Tuesdays and Saturdays from 10 until 2. Um, if you want to come in and ask me some fruit growing questions, uh, call ahead and make an appointment. That way I can set aside some time for you. We're there to teach you how to grow fruit. So that's our primary objective, and we'd love to help you do that. Okay. Tanya Lordy, Executive Director of the Home Orchard Education Center. There you go. Great. Appreciate you coming in thank you for thank sharing you. your uh, knowledge you she's she also teaches at the in the hort in the program hort- at mm-hmm. uh yeah 
Clackamas Community College and has I a do. side gig too. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but, but she said all of them have to do with fruit yeah, growing. They certainly do. So I teach uh, 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 tree and shrub pruning at the college, and then I teach the fruit and berry class in the summer. And then my side business is where I do in-home education, consulting, um, and design work. That's called Fruitscapes. Whew. That's a lot. And that's Tanya, T-O-N-I-A. That is. That's right. <laughs> and Lordy is. L-O-R-D-Y, like exactly. Right. So that's, you can probably get a hold of her through the HOAC website as well, too. Yeah, excellent. Okay. All right, Ty, it's time for the Garden Stumper. And Jim, you got your Garden Stumper ready to go? Sure. And we probably should give folks the phone number. I don't have it in my head, so... Uh, For the uh, Garden Stumper, yeah, 503-231-8187, and we'll get that theme on right now. That's you, Ty. I don't know, has anybody ever listened to those lyrics on that? That's pretty, you know, I don't know who, I don't know what, I don't know why, I don't know where. Anyway, that's why I chose that. <laughs> you never listened to that, have you, Jim? I hear it uh, every month. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah, but did you hear what they were saying? I, I tell you, you know, I, I, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and, I, and when I put on headphones and listen to, you know, tunes from the 60s or something, I'm still getting lyrics that I've never I'm understanding them now that I couldn't make out before. Maybe they're because they have the headphones on or something. But ah, that's that's pretty clever. Type of thing. Uh, whatever. Well, you right. know, sometimes when I hear when I hear somebody else sing, like do a cover of somebody a still song. Oh, that's what they were saying. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, anyway, that's World Party from uh, one of their early albums. Okay. Well, let go, Jim. I'll uh, I'll I'll give the answer to last two months ago and then we'll get the new one how's that sound okay great and you can get this on your speed dial (laughs) 503-231-8187 by the way tanya is going to stick around for the rest of the hour so if you have any questions uh, of her or the hoek please give us a call the question that i had from two months ago was I don't know if this is if I phrased this the best. I did get I did get a correct answer. Which of this group does not genetically really belong with the others? White asparagus, green asparagus, or purple asparagus? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. My buddy Brad uh, got this, but he eschewed. I don't know if that's the right word here. His the free tool sharpening. Because if you get the right answer, you do get a free garden hand tool sharpened at Coley Farm Store by Farmer Ted. And the answer is white asparagus. Does not really belong there because you can get white asparagus out of green or purple. Uh It just has to do with the blanching technique, blanching when it's growing. That is to say mounding up dirt around it or putting a pot over the top of it or something like that. It's Essentially, you're just starving it of light. So it's not its own type or genetic variety. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to find a, a, a pure white plant that's, that's, <laughs> that, that yes. way in nature. Yeah. Now, I should mention before we get to you, Jim, I had an opportunity to visit a flower nursery out of Eugene here a month ago. And they they specialized in, in breed hellebores. It has nothing to do with food, but it has everything to do with bee forage because it blooms from, well, sometimes January through, or not through, but into April, like this year. Hmm. And the, so there's oftentimes not a lot of plants blooming at that point for honeybees this year even fewer but boy some of the 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 breeding that they did there just it it just reminded me because i took a a photo of it and i mean just pure white hellebore i mean white white (laughs) like veil white that's amazing Uh, yeah Uh, it is yeah 
What, what's hellebore honey like? Oh, I don't think you'd ever get enough, at least in this area, to make to taste it, because they would uh-huh. use everything they bring in to make new bees. Mm-hmm. It, it, it. Same with pollen. You know, that's what they're using yeah. to do that. So, okay, Jim, it's time for your garden okay. stumper. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, this kind of connects up with where I just was at, and um, in New Zealand, why this this year was the. Uh, uh, our put on a, a delayed journey. We were going to go on 2020 and 2020, as most people remember, there were some other factors that seemed to affect travel. Uh, and uh, oh, so man. we waited, waited until this year and went there. So New Zealand's a very interesting place. Um, and this uh, doesn't really have any native plant of its own. That's a fruiting plant. That's, that's popular in the world. In fact, it's only been populated by human beings for somewhere around a thousand years. And the work that was the people who really got fruit growing going there were Europeans that came a couple hundred years ago, and they but they seem to be quite dedicated, and uh, they've taken plants from other regions and made things out of them. So, uh, one I'm speaking thinking about today it has kind of a name that's connected to New Zealand as well. It's the kiwi, um, which is not native to New Zealand, but all of the cultivated varieties that we have pretty much are from there uh, and um, um, they've done a really, I'm talking about fuzzy kiwi now of course but they uh, you know the Hayward variety and so forth that's a New Zealand variety so my question is because kiwi is not native to New Zealand where is it native hmm yes where did it come from did you did you see any kiwi birds you know, I didn't see, I don't know that I would have recognized a kiwi bird, but my gosh, you know, in New Zealand and Australia, the birds are amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, I kind of wish, yesterday I was walking back from the field and I was listening to the birds here, and, you know, they're nice, but gosh, the ones there are incredible. Some of the songs they sing, and the, it, it stops in your tracks. I made a little recording with my with my uh, iPhone, uh, took a picture of a couple of them that I saw Really, really incredible birds. So, I, I mean, that's if you like bird songs, you know, go to that part of the world because they're they've got their own little set there. Uh huh. Well, uh, sorry, I took you off track again. So that's the garden stumper. And if you have the answer, if you've had time now to look it up someplace, uh-huh, <laughs> give us a call five zero three two three one eight one eight seven, and the first caller with the correct answer will get a free hand tool sharpening. Like printers, loppers, shears, shovels, hose. You know the drill. And you know what's amazing, Glenn, is that actually somebody could call in during the show time. That's it's right. Like that's radical. <laughs> <laughs> How soon we get used to what we get used to. Yeah. yeah. I mean I would any any listener out there would just call in with any guess whatsoever where that kiwi came from, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just for fun. Just try you know, dial the number. <laughs> Make sure it works. Okay. Well good. Thank you, Jim. Well let's sure. stay with Jim there on the farm. What's uh you know, some things are gonna get cross pollinated here, so to speak. With uh you can talk about your pineapple guave uh or or repotting. We can start there. how or what was your you wanted to, how to pot or how to plant potted let me, plants. Well, that what you let me, let me, yeah, Glenn, let me talk a little bit about the trip because okay. that, that was the, you know, it kind of follows up with this, uh, the, the stumper and all that. Uh, you know, as I said, uh, New Zealand is a really unique place. And so pineapple guava uh, is another fruit that they have popularized and made, had made, it's probably done the most, they've certainly done the most in the world to make it a, a a really nice plant and one that that uh, people should be planting and growing, uh, and I and I really admire them for that. And so that was the focus of our has been the focus of our journeys there for this is our fourth time, and we've had the honor to meet uh, different breeders. There's uh, two in particular that uh, have, have been doing a lot of work over the years to create new varieties of pineapple guava. And that was, uh, we visited with both of them, 
uh, they live in really, really nice spots uh, where there was it was sunny and warm and, and just uh, and very, very pretty. And uh, but what the the what they've done, of course, is to make varieties that every so often they come up with a new one and uh, ones that are early ripening, which is important for us and uh, large fruit uh, and very tasty. Uh, so as as years have passed. Uh, the, the selections have increased, and uh, gosh, it's like, I, I mean, I'm so excited about pineapple guava, I can't tell you. I mean, I love eating the fruit. Uh, the One of my personal criteria is uh, something that has edible skin, because I really like to eat the whole fruit. Uh, that some Most people actually cut it into sections and then eat it like you would an orange or something, but... Uh, but for me, having what you have, being able to eat the whole skin is kind of special. So that's what I, that's what I look for. Were, were you able traveled, to? Were, there, were you able to taste some there then? I mean, oh, I, yeah, I don't know what yeah. the timing is. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, there. So so right now it would be equivalent to uh, today's the 11th of April. Here it would be the 11th of October, uh, in in our seasons, and and there are varieties for ripening that have already ripened. We're, and some, you know, this was this is early, and that's why we go this time of year so we can check out the early ones. So yeah, we ate, we ate a lot of fruit and, and a little tasting party. Did you find what you were looking for? Edible rinds? Yeah, Skins? yeah, that's well, that's my, that's my job. So <laughs> my partner Lorraine, she tastes the inner in part. She doesn't really <laughs> like to be be adventurous like I am. I'll just take a bite out of the whole thing and say, hmm. Well, that was pretty bad, <laughs> or <laughs> that was pretty good. And uh, so she's so, yeah, she's and, uh, she's more often successful than you are. Well, I'd say the the majority of the fruits don't have very edible skin, and that's not a criteria for us. Thin skin is important, um, and, and that's one thing that I I in 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 the, in the native areas where pine, pineapple guava grows. Uh, it, t- thick skin is more common. I mean, very thick skin. I w- at one point was eating pineapple guava. That you basically think of it like a like an avocado, where you would eat the seed and then throw the rest away. Uh, so, you know, the thin skin is really is really important for this. Um, and I want to mention the names of the. Uh, so, one of the breeders there, his name is Nigel Ritson, uh, and the other was Roy Hart. Roy is now ninety years old. He's still at it. Uh, and, and he's the, he's uh, the, the varieties that we've introduced from from his work. Uh, one's called Kakariki, another Anatoki, Kawatiri. There, the names typically are used are native names from New Zealand uh, to identify these different varieties. But those are ones that I really uh, I really like a lot. Really good fruit. Jim, I'm going to jump in here. We have a couple of callers. Great. Okay. Ty, we're ready. Hello. Good morning. You're with the dirt bag. Good morning. Do you have a question or an answer? Oh, um, I heard you say, uh, anybody listening, call and give a guess on the kiwi, <laughs> which I have no idea, but I'm going to guess. Uh, somewhere tropical, and the first place that came to mind was like Costa Rica. So I'm sticking with my answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim. <laughs> That, that's a that's a great guess. I I love it, but it's way off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now is that a is that a clue, Jim? Your comment. Well, sure. We could say it's not. It's on a different continent. Okay. So Costa Rica, no. But thank you for for trying. Yeah, that's great. Okay, we had another call. Ty said. Yes. Hi. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. You're with the dirt well, bag. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear the dirt bag again. Um, the Alton, I've missed it during the pandemic somehow. Um, the alternate name for kiwis is Chinese gooseberry. So I would say they're from China. Ding, 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 ding. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. That was very good deduction on our listeners' part. That's right. <laughs> you didn't even, have to deduce even, much there. <laughs> well, you had to know what they're what they were sometimes called. I didn't right. know that. Have you ever heard that term? Maybe, Chinese gooseberry? Maybe for the kiwi berries. 
but not for the fuzzies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, actually, right. yeah, the little little berry ones mm-hmm. and then the bigger ones. And- but so they're Gemma or Tanya, they're both from China? Well, yeah, yeah, Actinidia arguta, which is we, we call hardy kiwi, or some people call kiwi berries. So for it, it is part native to China, but it grows more commonly in the Russian Far East. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. At least that's my experience. I've not seen it growing in China, but, I, hmm. but I, I'm sure in the northern parts it's, it grows there native as well. Okay. Well, the, is the caller still there? Yes. Yes. Well, uh, when we're done talking with you. Uh, you can give your off air. You can give your name and phone number to uh, Ty, our our board operator, and I'll pass that along to Ted at Coley Farm Store, and you c- can take a uh, garden tool in for for sharpening. Okay, Coley Farm. How do you spell the Coley? Coley C U L L Y. It's at forty forty oh, second okay. and Alberta Street. In northeast, oh, cool. okay, Portland. in the Coley district, of course. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for playing. What's your name? Linda Palmer. Linda. Okay, I'll have you get that uh, information to Ty off air. Just your name and phone number, so we can identify you. So, thanks. All right, Jim. Good job. Uh, we have we have an answer there. So yeah. we we I, uh, I have... go ahead. I have a funny story too. I just thought of as we're talking about the Chinese uh, gooseberry. So um, w- many years ago, I was in China and we went to a place where they were growing fuzzy kiwi, and uh, they were p- packaging them up, and they were very, very large. And we tried one, and they were v- that was very, very tasteless. And I thought we asked. I think we asked the, the, one of the people there. I said, "Well, you know, what do you, how do you deal with this? I mean, don't think customers are going to be disappointed." He said, "Well, there are so many customers here that we can have disappointed customers, and we'll still <laughs> have new ones that will buy them." <laughs> yeah. Did you Did you learn anything from that, Jim? <laughs> About customer relations. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I've I've always been one to love tasty fruit. I'm sure Tonya can relate Mm -hmm. to this. You know, (laughs) having a ripe, tasty piece of fruit is a real thrill. And and interestingly, when we were uh, in our little visit to Australia as part of this, we were kind of disappointed in what was available there. It was fall, and it really wasn't a lot of good fruit to eat. I I was (laughs) kind of disappointed in it. Uh, So it... You know, some parts of the world, there's more of an emphasis on fruit than there is in others, I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, I interrupted you, uh, and you were talking, you just ended up with uh, uh, talking about this 90-year-old man who had uh, bred some varieties. Yeah, Roy. Well, Roy Hart's a, uh, just an amazing guy, and and uh, I, I'm i so pleased to, to know him and, and support his work, and I... Uh, I say that that his his varieties are, are are just really exceptional, and we were able to walk with him. And some he he's, he has he's kind of interesting. He finds people uh, who will allow him to plant his seedlings at their place because he doesn't have a farm himself. And then he plants plants the seedlings, and then he goes back and checks them every every year to see how they're doing. And uh, and then uh, from those he selects ones that he thinks have promise and then he will replant those and and uh and continue investigating them and so it's uh it's really a very interesting uh process to go through and this this work is not it used to be kind of a government project the work with pineapple guava which they call feijoa by the way and if you go to new zealand this time of year you will see feijoa i mean it's it's an extremely popular fruit there Hmm. but uh the government, the government stopped doing it, and so uh, the, the, these two breeders, in particular, took kind of kept on going with it. Well, did you did you score any uh, leads on getting new varieties, or get? I mean, how does how does that work? Did you do you smuggle in <laughs> scion <laughs> or cuttings? Or you don't do that, I'm sure, but. Uh, no, you can you can actually import pineapple guava pretty easily. For we we think there's some kind of exception that was must have been made years ago. We have a you know import permit, and so uh, we didn't bring anything in now. But we were working on getting some more uh, material this winter uh, 
and uh, or or yeah, this winter probably. So you know, and we're we have our own experimental block out here. We've got a whole lot of seedlings and a bunch of varieties, and you know, we're testing and finding you know looking for ones that are a goal like tonya said is ones that will do well here in the pacific northwest there's no significant disease or pest problems here the main the main issue is early ripening and have early ripening with good quality fruit that's the that's yeah. the clue to right. it all for us right. okay well let's uh let's take a short musical break here if ty is uh like he's on the phone. We'll go to our. Are you ready for the second musical break here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> since we're tired of this weather, uh, this is Savoy Brown from 1969. Digging into the archives here. This is called "I'm Tired." <laughs> Now ain't that a crying shame Now wouldn't it be a real drag If we were all the same And I'm not gonna try to please I just don't see Okay, just a short version there Of uh, Savoy Brown I'm tired Tired of living up what people expect me to be Actually, that's not part of it Not at all It's the weather Okay, Jim, I'm going to uh, break in here and uh, just get in our, uh, it's going to tie in there about the cross-pollination, our, our uh, di- dirtbag dictionary term, and uh, how that relates to cucumbers, our plant of the month. Do either of you want to talk about what cross-pollination would be? I'll leave that one up to Jim. Jim, you want to talk about, uh, just mention what you, how you might define cross-pollination? Well, I would define cross-pollination as the movement of pollen from one flower to another. Uh, and, of course, that in some cases, as we know, there are plants <laughs> that require pollination from different, two different varieties. Some are self-fertile but require pollination from one flower to another on the same plant, like peaches would be typical of that type of, of plant. Uh, Apples typically require pollination, require two varieties and movement of pollen from one of those varieties to the other one. Um, and that would be, you know, cross-pollination to me. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, uh, and another way to look at that is what we experience sometimes in squash, in that one variety will cross-pollinate with another variety, and while it doesn't show up in the fruit that's produced this year, say zucchini, then what you plant next year will be something completely different because it was cross-pollinated. In other words, it didn't have the pollen from its an identical parent, if you if you will. And the same is true, like Jim, you were saying, is that when you plant a peach pit or an apple seed or most other varieties you're not going to get what it's not going to be to have true parentage because it got cross-pollinated and and what i learned from doing a little research here at the oregon state university extension service here is that cucumbers are 
I'll just read this here. Contrary to popular opinion, cucumbers will not cross-pollinate with other members of the vine crop family. Hmm. Did not know that. Hmm. It wasn't my opinion. I just didn't know that. So cross-pollination hmm. is not the cause of bitter, tasteless, or off-flavor cucumbers. Hmm. Did not know that either. So just a, a few more things. There are little tidbits here in that these are very shallow-rooted plants and so they need uh, it says don't let the water content go below I think 65% you don't want to let those cucumbers draw out, dry out that's what would be a, a better cause of the bitter skins mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's all on cucumbers we have more things to uh, to talk about so the cross pollination cucumbers and uh, do Pineapple guava, what do they require for pollination? Well, uh, typically you you should have two varieties. Um, we're doing we're actually doing some experiments right now. We we understand there are some that are self fertile. You, the one variety will work, and we're we're experimenting with it here. Our biggest challenge in the Northwest, um, in in New Zealand, it's really interesting. And in the native region where pineapple guava is from, the pollination is done by birds that eat the flower petals. And, and by the way, the flower petals of pineapple guava are, are, are sweet and tasty. Wait a minute here. Fun. I mean, yes, they are, but I, I want to know more about how the birds eating the petals pollinate it. Well, they're they, moving they the pollen. The same, the same thing as a bird would do, I mean, as a bee would do, but they're just bigger. So they bite, they come in and they, uh -huh, take, uh -huh, a, they uh -huh. take a petal away. And in the same process, their wings are you know, getting pollen on them, and they go to another flower, and they move the pollen that way. Or their downy breast feathers. Mm -hmm. Whatever they got, yeah. Their little pouches, <laughs> little pollen pouches. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, regular birds, not, not well, I mean, whatever regular is, but not like hummingbirds or something. You're talking about bigger birds. Yeah, these are, yeah, regular birds and lar fairly large birds. We, You know, we've had some chickadees work on our flowers here, but the, our, our native birds have not been you know so far we're kind of like we're we thought maybe we should put some in a cage with them or something you know to really introduce them you know? uh -huh. but they don't do a lot but there's also as we read some interesting information a few uh, a while back about uh bees and uh and we, uh, there's obviously other factors other pollination that goes on but uh the birds are the seem to be the most effective ones certainly in new zealand uh and, huh. and moving the pollen I didn't know that. And and what would you say does the most of it here? Well, that's a good question because it's when we've I've not seen much bee action if any at all, but I did read back uh, some experiments that were done in California in the early 1900s where they put beehives in pineapple guava plantings and and got decent fruit set. So, uh -huh. you mean more uh, than more than uh, a control group. Well, yeah, there was, you know, if you didn't have, you've got to move the pollen from one to, if you look at a pineapple guava flower, there's a uh, a pollen tube right in the center of the flower, and the and then around, of course, stamens, and you've got to move that pollen somehow mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. get into that tube. So, uh, you know, it's, it, there's more to be learned about all of that, um, yeah. and, but but we do get fruit set here, and we don't see a lot of birds doing it, so there's obviously other other factors. Well, it's not a big cash crop yet here, and it probably doesn't require or doesn't uh, elicit a lot of studies on what's needed. I know. Yeah, there's yeah, lots yeah, done for how many colonies of bees for per acre of almonds, for example, or blueberries, or any crop. They know. Sure. What's the sure. ideal? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Pineapple guava is not. Uh, <laughs> it's not, not the there yet. Commercially. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's but, your. But, uh, we're 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 just about out of time here, Jim. But that's your job yep. here is to uh, make sure that pineapple guava is a staple. <laughs> that's right. I'll do that in partnership with Sonia. Right. There you go. <laughs> well, I want to thank you both for uh, spending the hour uh, here with the dirt bag, and I think we're going to be back live next month. I don't. I think Jim will be recovered by then. And hopefully I'll be. I'll definitely. Recovered, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm recovered now, but I can't. Yeah, right. Be there, yeah, that's right. Right. But I'll be, yeah, I'll, I'll love, love to be in the studio. Okay. And Tanya, thank you. And uh, just a reminder for listeners, you can go to the website, 
the Home Orchard Education Center dot org for all the, inter- the information that we talked about on how to contact her or sign up sign up for a class there too. That's right. Yep. All right. All right. Okay, that's it from here. We'll go out with my last tune here, Ty, which is uh, Albert Collins, Too Tired. Thanks for listening. Be well. Chill this morning, too tired to shake. I got a good poker hand, too tired to win. I can hear my baby knocking, too tired to let her in. I'm tired. Yeah, 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 I'm tired. Too tired. Too tired for anything. Too tired to walk, too tired to run. I can hear my baby call, I'm too tired, too tired, too tired Yes, I'm tired I'm tired Too tired for anything This is Ursula K. Lewin, and you are listening to KBOO, the cheerful voice of social conscience, KBOO Portland. During the last six weeks, you heard the special programming of our winter fundraising drive. Thank you for supporting Volume 2 of the All Thrills, No Frills campaign. KBOO is on course to exceed our goal of $17,000 as the final checks come through the mail. If you haven't already, get your limited edition Bluegrass Marathon t-shirt. Please go to kboo.fm slash bgshirt. This design was created by a volunteer creator from Music from the True Vine, which airs every Saturday at 9 a.m. Don't wait. Get yours now. Go to kboo.fm slash bgshirt. Again, thank you for supporting your 